Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Master Books podcast. Today, we are going to do a wrap up and sort of a mashup of the Pro Bible Science Summit. I just wanted to let you know that what's coming is just a taste of how great our summit was. And if you want to watch the replay, check the links in the show notes. Okay. Hope you enjoy. Bye. Welcome to the Master Books Podcast, where we bring you conversations that will strengthen your biblical worldview and the faith of your family. I'm Jennifer White, publicist at Master Books, a division of New Leaf Publishing Group. As host of this show, I'll be opening the doors to the Master Books family library of books, authors, and curriculum. For over 45 years, our company has been about one thing, ink on paper to touch eternity. In a world increasingly at war with God, we are publishing to partner with you to disciple your family, the church, and the nations. Um, I would say any science that's void of the of God as creator is void of truth. It's kind of hard. It's hard to understand science without first starting with God. Yes. This is our creator, so yep. that makes makes a ton of sense. So. There's there's like three main options that you have in science curriculum. One would be there is no God, and mm-hmm in that um, human origins are described more as a goo to you, Big Bang, uh, just we're all here by chance, right? And, and it's very hard to find truth and it's very hard to find much in that, mm-hmm. but that's the way that they examine the evidence. The second would be Christian friendly, where they take more of an approach of um, Christians can use this because we don't touch on historical science or the origins of, of, of man and, and creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they'll add maybe maybe they'll add some Bible verses, but they kind of have a insert your faith here type mindset. And then the third would be more of a pro Bible uh, master book style, which is uh, very aligned to the Word of God. Teaches science apologetically uh, from a, a creation based framework mm-hmm. that there is a Creator, He has a purpose, a plan uh, that you are created in His image and to bear His image, and that everything we see around us confirms the truth of his word. Your curriculum will be based on a particular authority, ultimately. So either your curriculum is looking to God's word as the ultimate authority. It doesn't matter what the curriculum is. Either God's word ultimately is the final authority, has a final say in whatever issue. And if God's word is not your final authority, well, then man's word is in some way, shape or form. And so we want to be teaching ourselves, of course, but our kids that God's word is the authority on every issue. Everything it talks about, everything it references, everything in all of reality will be should be submitted to God as the ultimate authority. And so we want to pick a curriculum that demonstrates that some Christian people's organizations, maybe with good intentions, who will try to take today's world, today's thoughts and just put a Christian label on it and say, well, we can teach the secular understanding of this. But just call it Christian, but that undermines biblical authority, and in some cases, it could be more dangerous than a secular curriculum. Absolutely, because at least with a secular curriculum, you can know okay, this curriculum they are right up front, they don't believe the Bible, that's not their worldview. You know where the enemy is, it's right in front of you. Mm-hmm. With so called Christian curriculums that aren't standing on God's word, they're actually undermining it, but they're calling themselves Christians. And it causes it can cause some kids to doubt God's word in a more ferocious way than even just in dealing with a secular curriculum to begin with. But the issues are plentiful. And I like this hope of encouragement. It can be overwhelming. We look around, we see CRT, another big one. I do a whole talk on critical race theory. So critical race theory, social justice, climate change, LGBTQ issues, pedophilia, all these different things. Oh my goodness, there's so many issues to deal with. How do we deal with all these things? 
And there are a bunch of issues, but here's the good news. The fundamental issue is the same on every one. Either God's word is your authority or man's word is. Mm -hmm. So we understand the battle at a foundational level is God's word versus man. That's the Bible. That's the foundational battle every single time. Biggest thing as far as the gospel is we, we see many people out there believing the earth could be millions of years old and whatnot. And really the only reason they do is because of the culture, the worldview that they've had. They've heard from the world these facts when in the truth is the facts don't even support what they're saying. Science supports Bible and a young earth. And let's just run with this for a moment. If I'm wrong and the earth is millions and billions of years old, that means that there was death in the world before Adam and Eve. The dinosaurs died before Adam and Eve were there. Uh, all of those kinds of evil things were taking place. So what we've done is we've said there is no purpose for death. It's something that is natural and meaningless. Well, the Bible clearly says something very different, and that is that death was something that came about because of man's sin. Man had to sin before death came into the world. Therefore, death couldn't be there until man is on earth. And you go, okay, well, I maybe see that, but what's the big deal? Well, if death doesn't have any meaning, like millions of years says, then why did Jesus come to die on the cross for our sins? He could have, you know, stayed up in heaven and said, hey, I forgive you. But instead, we see the Bible tells us death does have meaning. It was a curse of man's sin. And because of that, Jesus came to take the curse that we deserved on himself and in taking that curse, dying on that cross, rising from the dead, conquering the curse, we have new life and forgiveness. But you can't have that if death has no purpose. But Jesus' death meant something. It was a very curse of sin and then becoming the cure of it in him conquering it. So that's, that's huge for the gospel. Why would, talking about dinosaurs... What, what does that have to do with science curriculum? Why would a dinosaur be important, what we believe about dinosaurs, be important to a science curriculum and someone who is a professing Christian? Well, it's super important because when you start with the Bible and it makes sense of science, it really does help your worldview come to life. You know, we always want to start with God and his word. There's no greater authority than God and his word. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to subjects like dinosaurs, we've been influenced by the world to, to a lot of different degrees, sometimes more uh, or less, just depending on how much you've been influenced by the world, you know, whether it's secular education or secular media or secular museums or even some, just kids books, believe right. it or not, teach a lot of the secular stuff from dinosaurs. So when, when you go back to the Bible, you start with the Bible Believe it or not, it actually makes sense of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, uh, for example, let's just give you a taste of this. Dinosaurs are made on day six because they're land animals. Their technical definition is that they are land-dwelling creatures that actually lift their body up off the ground. So it's not like a crocodile or an alligator or a Komodo dragon. They actually stand more upright. And that's why when you see something like a T-Rex or a, 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 a sauropod, like a brachiosaur, they're standing upright. Those mm -hmm. are technically dinosaurs and they're land animals. So you start with the Bible, land animals were made on day six. So was man. So they actually lived at the same time. So when you start with the Bible, look at that. It's starting to make sense. It's different from the secular story that we've been taught. And that's really important, especially when you're going to dive into these different science subjects. So it's important to uh, get back to the Bible. 
uh, when you're looking at these different dinosaurs. Well, does it matter how old the fossils are, the dinosaur fossils that are found? How is the science and the biblical history and the world's history, how does all that come together in terms of dinosaurs? Yeah, the age of dinosaur bones, that's a big deal. And in fact, that's one of the things that you're going to see as a massive difference at, say, a secular university or a secular school versus, say, at homeschool or versus a Christian school, you know, where people are standing more on the uh, scripture. So what it is, it comes down to the rock layers. You know, we okay. find these different rock layers and there's three particular rock layers that we find dinosaur bones. Those are defined as Cretaceous, Triassic, and Jurassic. Of course, there's movies like Jurassic Park or mm -hmm. Jurassic World that play off of those types of names. Those are just names of places that we find these outcropped. For example, uh, the Jurassic sediment is named for the Jura Mountains uh, that you find uh, near Switzerland, that area. Uh, well, at any rate, those rock layers are actually from the flood of Noah's day. So okay. we need to remember the vast majority of rock layers that contain fossils came from the flood. Think of Noah. Noah's floating in the ark above uh, while these, these sediments are being laid down underneath him. Of course, there's representatives of land animals on board the ark and they come off the ark. But the majority of those fossils came from the flood. Now, of course, we've had some fossil layers since that time, but most are from the flood. Now, what's happened out in the world is the world wants to reject the Bible. They want to throw the Bible out. Mm -hmm. They want to throw the global flood out. And so they do not have a global flood in a secular worldview. Instead, they look at the rock layers and they assume that those rock layers will lay down slowly and gradually over millions and billions of years. Slow, gradual accumulations. They've thrown out the Bible. Now, if somebody in the secular world said, hey, I want to go out, I want to write a paper on a worldwide global flood, they'll throw it out. They would not accept that at all right. because it destroys the idea of millions of years. Because mm -hmm. if there's a global flood and you have these slow, gradual changes, global flood tears up all those rock layers and lay down some new ones. So there's a battle over those rock layers. And that's where the battle over, say, things like the age of the earth, the age of dinosaurs, the age of these fossils actually comes from. It comes from that big, huge debate right there. Well, I can only imagine how knowing these facts about dinosaurs mm -hmm. and the facts from the Bible and the facts from science, the facts from history come mm -hmm. together to help a student not only believe the Bible is true, but also to be a great ambassador for Jesus when mm -hmm. out in the world. Yeah. And you know what? That's that's one of the points. When when people start to realize the Bible's true in things like Genesis, you know, whether it's Creation Week or the Flood or mm -hmm. even the Tower of Babel and going for looking at dinosaurs, when people realize, hey, the Bible's true, guess what? The message of the gospel found in that same Bible is also true. So you can right. put those connections together. And those are good teaching points too. I, I don't just want people to realize, hey, the Bible's true in Genesis or the flood really happened. I want them to, to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm right up front about that. I want to see people uh, come to know the Lord. And that's really important to me. Yes. And that's that's what I love about being part of Master Books is all of the courses are faith building. And, you know, in in the materials that Master Books presents, we don't want it to just be this subject and your everyday life. You know, math is a reminder that God is consistent, that he is faithful, that he is wise, that we can count on him. You know, history, we can see his hand at work in the past, and that allows us to trust him as he's working together the present and the future. And in science, we can see him and that um, the things that we see. And so when we're going through a difficult time, we just look around and we're reminded 
of the truth that we know from scripture, but it gives us a visible, tangible reminder as well. So that as I'm driving and I see the stars and I'm feeling overwhelmed, I know that he holds the stars, that he He knows them all by name, you know? And so that is the richness of the pro-Bible education and how that comes in and really just enhances a student's faith. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I can say that as a parent, you know, I saw such a change um, in the faith of all of you kids as you were growing up, as you began to learn some of these connections between the Bible, science, and your faith. And right. so it was it was fun watching those videos together, but it was also, um, I'm trying to put this into words, but the satisfaction and the peace in, in my own heart as a mom to see my children begin to grasp, you know, these, these concepts. And even though it took a little bit of time for it to fully develop in your faith, all right. those seeds were planted. And so when you, again, began to go deeper into developing your own faith, those seeds started to really take off and grow. And then as you began to focus on educating your own boys, those seeds just, you know, they had, they had grown yes. to this level and then they could <laughs> go into full maturity. Yes. And, and so there's just such an impact generationally. And so as we sit here talking, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm as the mom who has handed something down to you, and now you've created something for your own children. Right. And so we have three generations right here that has, that's been impacted by one bag of tapes. Yes. And so just think about the seeds that are being spread with your curriculum that's getting put into the hands of families all over the world, really. Yes. And the generations that that could impact is really exciting. A Joshua declaration. In, in the Bible, we read about a man named Joshua. And Joshua had taken over from Moses and he led the nation of Israel to the, into the promised land. And, and they're about to disperse. And right before they disperse, Joshua kind of gives a speech. And he says to them, the end of his speech, he says, you know, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that was really a creed. That was Joshua's declaration that you all can choose to serve the gods you chose before the floods. You can choose the gods that, that, of the land of the nation that you're coming into. But as for me and my house, we're choosing to serve the Lord. And Joshua was no stranger to going against the grain. Forty years earlier, Joshua was one of two spies who came back and said, we can take the land. God has given us this land. And he had a bold faith that he would declare. And he didn't mind going against the grain. But at this particular moment, he knew that, that it was going to be important to declare a creed that said, Choose you this day who you serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, it's like he drew a line in the sand and said, 
Right here. He did. Now, he was inspirational, and the people said, oh, we would never not serve the Lord. But, you know, through history, we see we see what choices they did make and how they allowed um, other gods and religions to come in and, and other philosophies. I think it's important to know that throughout time, especially since the time of Christ, there have been the need for men and women of faith to to declare, to have a creed or a time where they declared, you know what, no more. Like, like heresies are filling the church, heresies are filling the doctrine, and, and men would have to say and women would say, this is what we believe, this is what scripture teaches, and we're going to creed this to be the truth that we believe, because otherwise we'll be easily deceived and people were being misled. And mm-hmm. It, we see heresy. Heresy is things counter to biblical Christianity, evangelical biblical Christianity. And we see heresy infiltrate the church through philosophy, through religion, false religion, false doctrine, through education, and through science. And this this science and worldview is so important because um, I think it's necessary for us to to almost have that creed of saying, you you can choose who, who, you know, you decide who you're going to choose. But as for our house, we're going to choose to serve the Lord. And and we're going to, to focus on placing our children under the counsel of godly instruction that teaches a biblical Christianity, that teaches there is a creator, he has a purpose for our children, that he, he intended for them. They're not here from a goody-you mentality. Um, or, or worldview. There was this man named Tertullian, and um, I think it was like in the AD 160, 200 in that area, and he was facing something like this. And what was happening was Greek philosophy and all that was coming out of Greece and Athens was beginning to infiltrate the church and create heresies. And, and Tertullian said, you know, what has the church got to do with Athens? Like, how can we have this, you know, what does a Christian have to do with philosophy? And and he began asking questions and it necessitated declarations of this is not what we as believers believe. And, and I think it's important that as you're choosing science curriculum or you're choosing any curriculum, because what we believe is everything should point back to God. He's the author of it all. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how interesting it is that the world of science has been used to lead people astray. It's kind of curious to me why the enemy would use science. And the reason why is because the world around us, beginning with the very beginning of Scripture, God created And so it reminds me also of the garden. Did God really say? Mm -hmm. Did God really create? And so, you know, it, it takes us all the way back to the beginning. And God placed Adam and Eve in a beautiful garden. And when we step outside of our door, we look around at the beautiful trees and the sky and the... You know, whoever says, oh, I can't wait to get inside so that I can just see what a beautiful day it is. I just want to enjoy the beautiful day today, said no one ever as they step inside their house. 
We step outside. Why? Because God created beauty. And he's such a good God that even in a fallen world, he still gives us this beautiful earth, even though it's scarred through because of our sin. And so I just, you know, I look at the world of science and how much it just screams the glory of God. I mean, everything from stepping outside of our door to seeing the grass, the trees, the flowers, and all of that, to the wildlife and, you know, the goofy squirrels that run up the tree and, and our dog that chases them, down to looking into a microscope at the most minute things. They all tell us that there is a designer, that there is a God, mm -hmm. which is why I think the enemy works so hard to attack the credibility of scripture and the God of the Bible and our creator. And so if, if he can either completely falsify that through his lies and deceptions, or so water it down that, you know, we never actually say, hey, the God of the Bible is our creator, then he can pretty much nullify all of the Old Testament because it starts with Genesis 1, God created, and then what need do we have of a savior? Hey, thanks for joining the Master Books podcast. This was fun, and we are really glad you were with us. We invite you to check out masterbooks.com. We have a big library of books that will feed the faith of your family. And hey, subscribe to our channel so you won't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.